Alright folks, I'm going to read um, this chapter from the book The Great Mother by Eric Neumann An Analysis of the Archetype I'm going to read uh, this chapter called Sophia The dual great goddess as mother and daughter can also can so far transform her original bond with the elementary character as to become a pure feminine spirit, a kind of Sophia, a spiritual whole in which all H. So this is a spiritual whole meaning W H O L E, in which all heaviness and materiality are transcended. Then she not only forms the earth and heaven of the retort that we call life and is not only the whirling wheel revolving within it but it but is also the supreme essence and distillation to which life in this world can be transformed this is interesting then she not only forms the earth and heaven of the retort that we call life and is not only the whirling wheel revolving within it that's so interesting that they would put it like that but it is also the supreme essence and distillation to which life in this world can transform a whirling wheel revolving within it yo man huh Sophia, who achieves her supreme visible form as a flower, oh my god. <laughs> Lily pads. Okay. Sophia, who achieves her supreme visible form as a flower, does not vanish in the nirvana like abstraction of a masculine spirit. Like the scent of a blossom, her spirit always remains attached to the earthly foundation of reality. <clears throat> Vessel of transformation, blossom, the unity of Demeter reunited with Kor, Isis, Ceres, the moon goddesses, whose luminous aspect overcomes their own nocturnal darkness are all expressions of this Sophia, the highest, the highest feminine wisdom. I prayed for wisdom and she stabbed me in the heart. <laughs> in the patriarchal Christian sphere, Sophia is reduced to an inferior position by the male god, in the patriarchal Christian sphere, Sophia is reduced to an inferior position by the male god. But here, too, the female archetype of spiritual transformation makes itself felt. Thus, in Dante's poem, the sacred white rose belonging to the Madonna is the ultimate flower of light, which is revealed above the starry night sky as the supreme spiritual unfolding of the earthly. In the crescent Madonna, the feminine stands again at the center of the earthly and heavenly spheres. And the same and the same is true of the medieval painting of Philosophia, one of the medieval forms of Sophia, gathering the arts around her, teaching the philosophers, and inspiring the poets. 
In our twelfth in our twelfth century work, the feminine still strangely strangely enough has three heads like Hecate. Triangle volcano sound consciousness. Okay. <clears throat> she remains the great mother even when as Philosophia she bears within her the world disc, zodiac planets, sun, and moon, an exact counterpart to the negative Tibetan cosmic wheel. Mm-hmm. Tibet is... Okay. And the queen is sitting with her child in her lap, enthroned in the center of paradise, surrounded by the evangelists and the virtues, is again the feminine self as the creative center of the mandala. The symbolism of the vessel appears even at the highest level as the vessel of spiritual transformation. Although Christianity did its best to suppress it, this matriarchal symbolism has survived, and not only in the cup of the Last Supper or in the mythical grail. The pre-Christian plunge bath signifies a return to the mysterious uterus of the Great Mother and its water of life water the plunge bath baptism volcano holy spirit is water the plunge bath which in judaism has retained its ritual significance down to the present day became in christianity the baptismal bath of transformation that as a late work of art still shows is a return to the primordial egg of the beginning Holy shit, fucks. Egg. The primordial egg of the beginning. This is talking about Genesis 1. This is talking about Lava Song Moana. For this reason, the baptismal font is a vessel of transformation. It is not only the crown of the tree of life, the tree of life, which, which I made a video of, but also the spring of life, which through the descending upper, through the descending upper water of the Holy Ghost, becomes an alchemistic vessel of renewal. This is talking about a submarine volcano. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Paradise too is taken as a transformative situation in the vessel yet because the fall from grace is connected not with the tree of life but with the death tree of knowledge the life vessel of paradise becomes through it a death vessel of negative transformation lending downward to the underworld into the gaping jaws of hell yeah if you lived on a volcano island you could go visit all the lava tubes and still imagine all... Okay. In this Christian sphere, the vessel remains, to be sure, the container of opposites. But as a recipient of the lower power, it confronts a higher power that as Holy Ghost, as Dove, and as upper water flows down upon it and fructifies it. Excuse me. In contrast to this, we find later in alchemy a revival of the original 
matriarchal symbolism of the vessel that contains the whole. This important aspect of alchemy must be discussed at length elsewhere. Here, a reference to the symbolism of a single picture may suffice. It is a representation of the old cosmic egg, the universally known symbol of the primordial matriarchal world, which as great round contains the universe. Like I keep saying, the circle, God, the O in God is the crater of a volcano, the circle, the eye of the needle, the vagina, the portal, the feminine, waters, everything come out of, comes out of the void, the abyss, which is water. We, when women break their water, water then, then you, the baby, pops out of the waters. It's, it's all talking about... Okay, the womb, the great round contains the universe. At the base lies the chaos dragon of matter. Mm. The uppermost level, also theriomorphic, is the spirit, which as dove, that is, as holy spirit bird, is the quintessence of what must issue from the spirit. <coughs> I'm saying the holy spirit is water, so... Development... To it is the Holy Spirit. Imagine, imagine like the the Yellowstone geezer, old geezer. That's that's uh, the Holy Spirit. When it, the water, heated water, comes out as mist. There you go. Okay. Um, as Holy Spirit bird is the quintessence of what must issue from the spirit. Development to it is suggested by two symbols of growth. The trees of sun and moon signify the male and female principles of the polar tension that is to be synthesized. The intertwined and yet hierarchically arranged three figures of body, soul, and spirit are also symbols of the ascending transformation in the womb of the archetypal feminine. Over the figure of the spirit with its outspread arms flies the upper bird of the great mother, the dove of the Holy Ghost, the supreme spiritual principle. In many other pictures, the alchemistic principle of growth is also symbolized by the ascending snake. Yeah, Jesus, what did Jesus say? Be innocent, as, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. What is this talking about? Okay. Uh, ascending by the ascending snake the snake is often and not only in the biblical story of paradise the spirit of the tree as well as the vessel the connection between staff and snake already found in pre-dynastic Egypt appears in many myths as the often ambiguous but always numinous and divine spirit of a process of growth whose purpose is inaccessible to the intelligence. This phenomenon dominates the symbolism of the fall from grace that leads to consciousness and also the symbolism of alchemy. Well, you can call that the Kundalini. In our illustration, the transformative process rising from the vessel is represented by the pillar tree round which is twined the double snake of the opposites that are to be united. Yeah, uh, my, my little trip I had, the writhing motion. 
This tree is crowned by a Mercury Queen with a scepter in her hand. The scepter is a combination of the snake entwined healing staff of Hermes and Asclepius and of the lily scepter. What? Lily scepter, which in Crete was already the symbol of goddess and queen. God is a volcano and she is coming. Mercury's bisexuality points here to the corresponding male-female Uroboric nature of the archetypal feminine, which combines the form of the virgin goddess Lily with the with the character of Okay, is that Illy? Illy? Okay, I'm guessing that's capital I I L Y. With the character of engendering transformation and cure the caduceus. Both symbols recur in a late painting of the Annunciation. Here the angel bears the bears the staff of saving fecundation, which is at the same time a staff of transformation and healing. I'm, I think the staff they keep talking about in all this mystical stuff is just your spine. It's just your backbone through which the kundalini energy blah 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 rises up and down. Okay, but beside Mary stands the vessel that is herself. The body of this vessel bears the host with the name of the divine son and above it towers the Ily of the Cretan virgin goddess. Is that an L or an I? Why would that okay? This means that this vessel is the goddess herself bearing the divine sun child and Mary, without any conscious intention on the part of the artist, becomes once more the goddess of the beginning. Lava Song Moana. The feminine vessel as vessel of rebirth and higher transformation becomes Sophia and the Holy Ghost. It not only like the Gnostic crater. Oh my goodness. K-R-A-T-E-R. Crater. What has a crater? Huh? <laughs> Gnostic crater receives that which is to be transformed in order to spiritualize and deify it, but it also but is also the power that nourishes what has been transformed and reborn. Volcanic ash is very fertile soil. Just as in the elementary phase, the nourishing stream of the earth flows into the animal and the phallic power of the breast flows into the receiving child. So on the level of spiritual transformation, the adult human being receives the virgin's milk of Sophia. This Sophia is also the spirit and the bride of the apocalypse. Hmm, interesting. Doesn't Sophia mean wisdom? This <laughs> this Sophia is also the spirit and the bride of the apocalypse, of whom it is written. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Tonga. And, and at this highest level, there appears a new symbol in which the elementary character and the transformative character of nourishment achieve their highest spiritual stage. The heart spring of Sophia, the nourishment of the middle. This central stream flows from Sophia in our philosophia, in the ecclesia. Ecclesia means church. And also in the representation of the Indian world mother. 
a new organ becomes visible, the heart that sends forth the spirit-nourishing central wisdom of feeling, not the upper wisdom of the head. The heart, the hearth. At this highest level, the feminine more and more loses her original archetypal character as goddess and seems to become concept and allegory. Sophia, like Philosophia, and in the Jewish Jewish sphere, Torah, the law, and Chokmah, wisdom, a central symbol of the Kabbalah, tends in this direction, while in the Shekinah, the glory of God in exile and its personification, Rachel weeping for her children, the personal character is still preserved or else reasserts itself. Here, however, it should be borne in mind that Conceptual symbols as, for example, the Egyptian Ma'at need not necessarily be products of a late epoch. They seem, on the contrary, to stand at the beginning of the development of the human spirit, which starts with an, act, with an ascent on the visionary symbolic figure and ends with the abstract concept. In psychological terms, we speak of the law of compensation by which the unconscious, through dreams and visions, through its reactions and its action-determining mechanisms, equalizes the one-sided deviations of the centroverted conscious personality. In other words, the unconscious not only endangers the ego through the superior power of instincts and drives, but also helps and redeems it. The study of, of depth psychology has shown that consciousness, with its acquisition, is a late Son of the unconscious, S-O-N, son of the unconscious, and that the development of mankind in general and of the human personality in particular has always been and must be dependent on the spiritual forces dormant in the subconscious. Thus, modern man on a different plane discovers what primordial man experienced through an overpowering intuition, namely that in the generating and nourishing protective, protective and transformative feminine power of the unconscious, a wisdom is at work that is infinitely superior to the wisdom of man's waking consciousness, and that as source of vision and symbol of ritual and law, poetry and vision, intervenes, summoned or unsummoned, to save man and give direction to his life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just... Nature always wins, man. <laughs> Nature always wins, man. <laughs> this feminine maternal wisdom is no abstract, disinterested knowledge, but a wisdom of loving participation. Just as the unconscious reacts and responds, just as the body reacts to healthful food or poison... So Sophia is living and present and near, a Godhead that can always be summoned and is always ready to intervene, and not a deity living inaccessible to man in numinous remoteness and alienated seclusion. Thus, the spiritual power of Sophia is living and saving. Her overflowing heart is wisdom and food at once. Yeah, what did Jesus say? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by Sophia. 
every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Okay. Um, as, okay. Thus, blah, blah, blah. The nourishing life that she communicates is a life of the spirit and of transformation, not one of earthbound materiality. As spirit mother, she is not, like the great mother of the lower phase, interested primarily in the infant, the child, and the immature man who cling to her in these stages. She is rather a goddess of the whole, W-H-O-L, who governs the transformation from the whole, basically the circle, is the full picture, 360 full picture, sphere, circle. For you went from cube, 2D to circle sphere 3D who governs the transformation from the elementary to the spiritual level who desires whole men knowing life in all its breadth from the elementary phase to the phase of spiritual transformation the hero's journey hero's journey is uh, portrayed as a circle in the patriarchal development of the Judeo-Christian West, with its masculine, monotheistic trend toward abstraction, the goddess, as a feminine figure of wisdom, was disenthroned and repressed. Who was repressed? Wisdom was repressed. <laughs> she survived only secretly, for the most part, on heretical and revolutionary bypaths. To follow these pathways lies beyond the scope of our undertaking. Here we can deal neither with the survival of the Great Mother as a witch, nor with her return in the Renaissance and her reascent in modern times. We must content we must content ourselves with illustrating the archetypal and irrepressible vitality of the Great Mother with a few pictures from the Christian sphere. Seen from outside, the Vierge Ouvrant is the familiar and unassuming mother with child, but when opened, she reveals the heretical secret within her. God the Father and God the Son, usually represented as heavenly lords, who in an act of pure grace raise up the humble, earth-bound mother to abide with them, prove to be contained in her proved to be contents of her all sheltering body yeah man the, this whole universe is basically the womb of kali of darkness of the feminine where man gets to light his candle and say we are <laughs> we are the shit but it is not only in her and in the numerous mantle madonnas sheltering needy mankind beneath their outstretched cloaks that the great mother still lives. Hold on, let me just check real quick. She may be discerned in still another Christian figure, though this circumstance has passed almost unnoticed. In the representations of Saint Anne with virgin and child, the unity of the female group of mother, daughter, child, of Demeter, Kor, and the Divine Son reappears in all its mythical grandeur. And often in these paintings, the Kor daughter character of the Madonna in relation to Anne as the Great Mother is emphasized even outwardly. Here, the Madonna with Christ sits in Anne's lap, herself like a small child. The childlike quality of the Virgin 
is even more marked in certain examples of Christian folk sculpture from the Latin countries. In contrast with this Western development, in which the patriarchal element nearly always overlays and often quite submerges the matriarchal, the fundamental matriarchal st structure has proved so strong in the Orient that in the course of time, the patriarchal stratum overlaying it has either been annulled or very much relat relativized. I think the the matriarchal uh, um, I think the matriarchal societies or history is I think much much older than the patriarchal. Patriarchal didn't come come around till agriculture. I think. Okay, but with land ownership. Before that, it was all matriarchal. Okay, um, in in the Orient, in the course of time, the patriarchal stratum overlaying it has either been annulled or very much relativized. This can be shown not only in Hinduism, but also in Buddhism, which was at first so patriarchally abstract and hostile to nature. Here, Kuan Yin is the goddess who hears the cry of the world and sacrifices her Buddhahood for the sake of the suffering world. She is the great mother in her character of loving Sophia. In India, the old matriarchal goddess has reasserted herself and reconquered her place as great mother and great round. We have not only the tantric Shakti in mind, Kali herself... <laughs> in her positive and non-terrible aspect, is a spiritual figure that, for freedom and independence, has no equal in the West. California! And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, look up uh, Kali Temple in California. California. Okay. And on a still higher level stands the white Tara, symbolizing the highest form of spiritual transformation through womanhood. Tara in... In, let's say T-A-R-A Tara Tara I mean star Tara Tara is revered as she who in the mind of all yogis leads out beyond the darkness of bondage leads out Tarani beyond the darkness of bondage as the primordial force of self mastery and redemption whereas on the lower plane she is a pro protectress and redemptress Tara Tarati okay Tarati iti Tara she leads happily across hence she is called Tara on the higher plane it is she who leads out of the world involvement of samsara which she herself created in her character of maya Thus, Tara came into being when the sea of knowledge of which she is the quintessence was churned. Volcano. The sea of knowledge of which she is the quintessence was churned. The void, the abyss, the churning of the waters. In her eternal loving embrace, the great Maya, in her aspect as the redeeming one, Tarini, holds Shiva, the imper imperturbable, who in the crystal unapproachability of his yogi immersion is the divine representation of the attitude of the redeemed one.
Okay, like I said, everything when I was going as far back as I could to like let's say beginning point, it it oh it would always kind of end at like a like a big ass crystal. Okay, so over here. She holds Shiva, the imperturbable, who in the crystal unapproachability of his yogi immersion, so who maybe is portrayed as a crystal, in Diablo, the world stone is apparently a giant red crystal. So, like, where do we find crystals? We find crystals <laughs> under volcanoes, gemstones, crystals. Okay, so, which is very interesting. As perfection of knowledge, Prajnapar... Prajna Paramita, which confers illumination and nirvana. Tara is sublime womanhood in the circle of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, especially revered in matriarchal Tibet. In Tantric Buddhism, she rises to the very zenith of the pantheon. Zenith means height. As Prajna Paramita, she is the mother of all Buddhas. She is the mother of all Buddhas. God damn. Wisdom. Wisdom is the mother of all Buddha. Okay. She signifies nothing other than the illumination that makes one into a Buddha. Paramita. That is gone. Ita. I-T-A. Gone. Means gone. To the other shore. Oh, wow. That's what that means. Paramita. Ita means gone to the other shore. Param. Paramita. Gone to the other shore. God damn. She leads the soul across the river of samsara to the far shore which is nirvana. Her emblem as the wisdom of illumination is the book resting on a lotus blossom beside her shoulder. And her hands form and her hands form a circle signifying the inner contemplation of the of the true doctrine dharma chakra mudra and her hands form a circle signifying the inner contemplation of the true doctrine yeah another image that i had when i was seeing all this fucking triangle shit back what like last year year before last okay I saw like okay, I don't know if any one of you guys do ever play with a yo-yo, but like if you guys know what what was it called? It's basically like doing the swing with the yo-yo. So you make the yo-yo spin on its thing and then you do a little triangle and make the yo-yo spin through the middle. So I had gotten an image of like a wheel spinning inside a triangle as an as one of the images of the volcano. And it's just interesting that it talks about wheels and circles inside a triangle. It's just very interesting. The enchantress, the great Maya, who delights in imprisoning all creatures in the terrors of samsara, cannot be pronounced guilty in her role of temptress, who lures souls into multi-form all-embracing existence into the ocean of life from the horrors of which she unceasingly saves individuals in her aspect 
as Boat Woman. For the whole sea of life is the glittering, surging play of her Shakti. From this flood of life caught in its own toils, individuals ripe for redemption rise up at all times. In Buddha's metaphor, like lotus blossoms that rise from the water's surface and open their petals to the unbroken light of heaven. God is a volcano and she is coming. We are ants on lily pads. She is not only the power of the Godhead as the whirling wheel of life in its birth bringing and death bringing totality. Sounds like a volcano, Alpha and Omega. She is also the force of the center which within this cycle presses toward consciousness and knowledge, transformation and illumination. Thus, Brahma prays to the great goddess. Thou art the pristine spirit, the nature of which is bliss. Thou art the ultimate nature and the clear light of heaven, which illuminates and breaks the self-hypnotism of the terrible round of rebirth. And thou art the one that muffles the universe for all time in thine own very darkness. Volcanic winter... <laughs> But this illumination is no gift or flash of light fallen from heaven. It is a living growth which has taken root in the moldering depths of the earth, which has grown slowly. <coughs> mm, moldering depths. I could put an S in front of it and become smoldering depths of the earth, which has grown slowly. Sounds like a volcano. Fed by the numinous water of life and put forth a closed bud that only in the end will open up a lotus blossom in the unbroken light of heaven. Sounds like a fucking volcano about to explode. And look at this. This is a picture. It's called the Trimurti. It's got a triangle, a sun in the back. It's got a skull in the middle. It's got a turtle. The skull's on the turtle. With a lotus coming out from the top of the head. I mean, come on, man. What do you think this is? This is God is a volcano and she is coming. Sound is consciousness. Truth is silence. Why does your heart beat? We are ants on lily pads. It's, it's all here. It's the Trimurti <clears throat> from a Hindu painting. The archetypal feminine in man unfolds like mankind itself. At the beginning stands the primeval goddess, resting... In the materiality of her elementary character, character, knowing nothing but the secret of her womb. At the end is Tara. In her left hand, the opening lotus blossom of psychic flowering. Her right hand held out toward the world in a gesture of giving. Her eyes are half closed in her meditation. She turns toward the outward. Half closes also. She might be fucking coming, man. She turns toward the outward as well as the inner world, an eternal image of the redeeming female spirit. Holy Spirit is water. God is Vulcan and she's coming. Both together form the unity of the great goddess who, in the totality of her unfolding, fills the world from its lowest elementary phase to its supreme spiritual transformation. I mean, Mount Bromo in <clears throat> was it Indonesia? 
or Malaysia, Indonesia, is a volcano where the the people go and offer sacrifices to the volcano. And they are, guess what? They're Hindus. They are apparently, Mount Brahma sounds kind of like Brahma. Anyways, in the Indian Trimurti, we find at the lowest level the earth symbol, the maternal tortoise. On it rests the great mother in her terrible character, the death's head, the death, death, death's head with the two antithetical flames spurting from it. Flames, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> and above it, the great mother as Lotus Sophia. Hmm. Concerning this work, Jung writes, The whole picture corresponds to the alchem alchemical opus, the tortoise symbolizing the massa confusa, the skull, the vase of transformation, and the flower, the self or wholeness. Tortoise, vessel of death, and flower are matriarchal transformations transformative symbols of the great mother slightly modified they appear as such in our representation of tara which encompasses all the stages of feminine transformation yeah even the bible talks about how the earth is groaning and anguishing like in birth pains each stage of transformation rests on the foundation of a unity of lotus and cobra of each stage of transfer transformation rests on the foundation of a unity of lotus and cobra of life-giving and deadly power. Yeah, I mean, the if you watch a volcano eruption, the way the lava flows down into the sea usually becomes, you know, transformed into a river sooner or later. It takes some time, but that lava channel becomes the same thing for a river to go down there when you start getting water coming down. The base consists of the material world of the tortoise, the lunar world of earth and water. It supports the tree of life with the antagonistic dragons to either side of it, the world of life in the opposites. Sounds like a volcano. Has dragons, has fucking fire, has the cobra, lotus. The t tortoise is, could just be like a shield volcano in, in, in um, Hawaii. It's, it's slowly growing. Slowly growing. Okay. The crown of this tree is the second lotus upon which stands strong and powerful the sun lion of the masculine spirit born of it. But above this lion rises the goddess, Tara Sophia, no longer riding upon him, but, ent but enthroned on her own lotus chair. Around her shines a halo of spirit in which the animal principle of the lower world, beginning with the lion, is transformed into a vegetal light, into the grown and growing illumination characteristic of her being. In her hands, she holds flowers, and above her is spread the fiery canopy of light, strewn with silver star blossoms. Yeah, sounds like Lava Song Moana. And this canopy is herself, Moon, Lotus, and Tara of the highest 
knowledge. If now, in conclusion, we look back over the archetypal world of the feminine with all the richness of its symbolism and all its interwoven constellations and images, we may at first be more impressed by its diversity than by its order and unity. It is to be hoped, however, that the axial structure outlined in Part 1 has asserted itself in the material, so enabling the image of the archetypal feminine to crystallize out in all its grandeur. The stages of, <clears throat> stages of self-revelation of the feminine self objectivized objectivized object yeah objectivized in the world of archetypes symbols images and rites present us with a world that may be said to be both historical and eternal the ascending realms of symbols in which the feminine with its elementary and transformative character becomes visible as great round as lady of the plants and animals and finally, as genetrix of the spirit, as nourishing, sorry, as nurturing Sophia, correspond to stages in the self-unfolding of the feminine nature. In the woman, this nature is revealed as the eternal feminine, which infinitely transcends all its earthly incarnations, every woman and every individual symbol. But these manifestations of the archetypal feminine in all times and all cultures, that is, among all human beings of the prehistoric and historical worlds, appear also in the living reality of the modern woman, in her dreams and visions, compulsions and fantasies, projections and relationships, fixations and transformations. The great goddess, if under this name we sum up everything we have attempted to represent as the archetypal unity and multiplicity of the feminine nature, is the incarnation of the feminine self that unfolds in the history of mankind as in the history of every individual woman. Its reality determines individual as well as collective life. This archetypal psychical world which is encompassed in the multiple forms of the great goddess is the underlying power that even today partly with the same symbols and in the same order of unfolding partly in dynamic modulations and variations determines the psychic history of modern man and of modern woman well I don't know what else I would like to read from this book. I think I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm just saying it's very interesting that you can see the the change of even our religion from, you know, agricultural stage or I mean sorry hunter gatherer stage agriculture's agricultural stage and then industrial age and all this shit so basically we're all trying to still find ourselves basically 
represented in, in, in the world around us. And when there's a lack of that, when there's a lack of uh, good representation, is when we start to see the problems until a new system can come about which has room for uh, all the different representations. And that new system is basically a story. What new story are we as humanity, as mankind, writing that has room for all these different characters? Can we write a story big enough that has room for all these different characters? That's, that's basically where we're at. Peace.